You're listening to the following program on TFN Audio from the Fantasy Network, where independent creators and fans of fantasy, sci-fi, horror, and gaming meet to create, stream, and support the shows that they love. Creator-distributed, fan-supported, that's TFN. Find this and many more great programs at watch.thefantasy.network slash audio. Eight. Mercedes had moved from the door to mingle with the guests, looking everywhere for Jim's mysterious man. She smiled politely to everyone, grabbing a glass of champagne and a canopy from the trays to blend in a little better. No one seemed to fit the description, and she was about to complete the circle of the room to follow Jim upstairs when she overheard a conversation between two men. They were standing by one of the original sketches, placed on little pedestals around the room. Is Mike going to make an appearance himself? He's over there. I think he's signing something right now. I heard he almost didn't make it. He has received threats from a lot of religious people in the last few months. They claim that his comics are blasphemous. Oh, come on, seriously. Oh, I'm dead serious. I've heard him say that he was called the Prophet of Lucifer for making him the hero in his comics. That picture of Lucifer and Michael almost got him banned from Comic-Con. Who the hell could take offense at stuff like that? People are way too thin-skinned. Religious nuts, my friend. You never know how their minds work. Mercedes's mind might be religious, but it worked fast. And she could almost feel the pieces of the puzzle falling into place on her mental work table. The killer was a religious fanatic of some kind. Maybe he hated religion like Jim did. Or maybe he was trying to show religious symbols in the dead kids. But no matter what, if you were into religious madness, a lot of people who gathered to watch pictures of demons kicking the butt of angels would be a big temptation. She had to find Jim and Inspector Charles. She put down her glass and crossed the room with fast steps. She had made it about halfway, when something that felt like an earthquake shook the room. She had lived in the Bay Area for a while now and was used to the San Andreas Fault making the world shake and tremble on occasion. But when a wall of fire suddenly filled the room, she realized that it was more than just a tremor. Mercedes threw herself to the ground, pulling her coat over her head to cover her hair. She wasn't thinking but reacting instinctively. The fire washed over her like a blanket, and she gasped as she felt her hands get burned. Around her, people screamed and shouted over the roar of the fire. When she dared to look up, she could see the fire burning everywhere, mostly on the ceiling. People around her had been blown over, several of them unconscious or dead. She could hear screams from all directions and fought her own rising panic. She had already run from death once today, and she refused to lose it again. The body in the arcade had been horrible, but he had already been dead. She realized that if she panicked and ran outside, other people might get hurt or die. Her mind flexed like a muscle, and she gritted her teeth. Panic was not allowed. Dios mío, dame fuerza. She whispered and slowly got to her feet. She swayed, but with a few staggering steps found her balance again. The smoke in the room made it harder to breathe when she stood, but she didn't feel like crawling through the broken glass and masonry. Above her, 
The ceiling creaked and groaned as the fire ate into it. She knew Jim had been upstairs, but he would be the person least in danger in here right now. Suddenly, a hand was on her shoulder, and Inspector Charles stood next to her. He had a long gash across his forehead, but looked otherwise all right. She was happy to see he was all right, and it gave her the mental push she needed. Start grabbing people, she shouted, her voice breaking with coughs. Let's get them out of here. Charles nodded and bent to check the pulse of a person that lay in front of them. It was a woman in a lovely green dress. He felt her pulse, then moved to the next person and felt him. This one apparently had a pulse, since he hauled him up on his shoulder and began dragging him towards the door. Thankfully, the front windows of the museum had been blown out, giving them a point of exit. Mercedes bent and lifted a table off a girl looking all of fifteen. She opened her eyes and Mercedes gestured to her. Let's go. We have to get you out of here. She followed willingly enough, and Mercedes led the way towards the door. When she poked her head outside, she breathed the fresh air and gasped in pleasure. It tasted so sweet to her burning lungs. Still, she went back in. Jim stumbled through the fire, covering his eyes with his palm. He could feel his clothes smoldering, but tried to ignore it. He would heal almost as soon as the burns formed, but if he was buried under a ton of masonry and wooden beams, he would still have a hard time digging himself out. He wasn't Superman. His free hand guided him along the wall towards the stairs. The fire coming from below was incredibly hot, and he wasn't sure he could pass through it. The flames were too big. He doubted he could regenerate if he actually burned to ashes. The few other people who had been in the room with him had been blown over, and he now saw one of them, a young man, getting to his feet and shouting something. Jim turned his head, trying to get a fix on him through the smoke and flames. Windows! the man shouted, waving his hand at the big windows. Jim didn't know what he had said, but he could guess the meaning. Some of the glass had been shattered, and they might be able to get outside that way. Jim moved across the floor, feeling it getting hot under his feet. The floor was wood and plaster, and he was afraid the entire thing would burn and collapse in a matter of minutes. He pulled his coat off and wrapped his hand in it, hitting the window hard. The remaining glass shattered, and he swept the splinters away. Go, he said as loud as he could. The man wasn't waiting for him to repeat himself. He climbed through and swung his legs out on the ledge. The museum, fortunately, had one of the old-style fire escapes outside, and he began climbing towards the ladder. Jim took a quick look at the other three people in the room. One was getting to his feet, the other two seemed dazed and confused. Quickly he grabbed them one by one, pulling them towards the window on the fire escape. He had to get to Mercedes and Roger downstairs, but if the stairwell was impassable, he might as well go the more direct route. He swung his legs over the fire escape and let himself drop to the pavement below, wincing at the pain in his legs but knowing he would not be hurt from it. He got to his feet, leaning on the wall, and tried to gauge the situation. His four fellow climbers were heading down the fire escape now, and people were staggering out through the front door and windows. Jim squinted, trying to see if he could spot Mercedes through the smoke. Jim, a voice called and he turned his head to see Charles standing leaning on a car. 
He had a gash bleeding on his forehead and his clothes looked dirty. Jim, Mercedes went back inside. There are people in there that need help. Jim nodded. Mercedes was the kind of person to help others even if her own life was in jeopardy. The museum was rapidly becoming an inferno, the flames licking out and the heat baking off it like an oven. If Mercedes didn't get out of there fast, she would be one more casualty in the statistics. Jim ran towards the door. Around him, people yelled and hands tried to pull him back. He evaded everyone and climbed inside. The heat that hit his face was like sticking his face into an oven. He covered his eyes, trying to spot Mercedes through the thick smoke. Even though he had been in the room less than a few minutes ago, he felt disoriented. To his right, one of the buffet tables lay overturned, the tablecloth burning. On the floor, there were several bodies, but thankfully none of them looked like Mercedes. Jim saw other people moving, trying to get the injured out and move to intercept them. Two of them were waiters. One was an older man in a suit that used to be good-looking. Did you see a girl in here? Jim shouted. A black-haired girl. The one waiter shook his head as they passed him, hauling the man outside. Heading deeper into the smoke, Jim had to bend down to catch a breath of fresh air now and again. Not for the first time. He wished that if he had to be immortal, it would have been nice not to feel pain or have to breathe. As he got near the back of the room, he finally saw her. Mercedes was on the floor, her face close to the face of a young woman lying on her back. At first he thought she was kissing her, but then realized she was giving mouth to mouth. Mercedes! he shouted, and then coughed. His lungs hurt. We've got to get out of here. This place is going to fall down any second. As if to underline his statement, a wooden beam fell from the burning ceiling, crashing to the ground not eight feet from them. Mercedes looked up at him. Help me with her, please, she said, her eyes red from the smoke. Jim got his hands under the woman and pulled, lifting the body up. The woman's head wobbled back and forth, but she was clearly still alive. Get out, he said, lifting the woman's arm around his neck. I'm right behind you. Mercedes didn't argue. She got to her feet and took a few steps towards the exit. She seemed to stumble, losing her balance for a moment and pausing. Jim heard the beam falling before he saw it, and he knew what was going to happen. It felt like the world slowed down to a crawl, every second as long as a full hour. The wooden beam in the ceiling was following the first, tearing loose and falling straight down, its burning end looking like a flaming spear. Jim saw that it would hit the place where Mercedes was standing, as straight on target as a dart arrow thrown at the middle of the board. He felt the weight of the woman over his shoulder, realizing that if he had to carry her, there was no way to reach Mercedes in time. There was a choice to be made, and he only had a fraction of a second to make it in. Hi, this is Arif Silverman, and I wanted to let you know that my radio play, Black Blade, is now available to stream on the Fantasy Network. The play chronicles the apex of a decades-long witch hunt and includes ancient forests, wyverns, and magic swords. A diverse cast of characters and team members tell a subversive, timely story about a world racked with political and environmental struggles. I hope you'll tune in.
It was no choice at all. Throwing himself forward, he let go of the woman's body and threw himself into Mercedes in a football tackle. He pushed her forward, feeling the beam hitting his leg as he tried getting out of the way. The pain was enormous, as the bones snapped under the weight of the burning wood. Jim wasn't much of a screamer, but he could not keep it in this time. As Mercedes tumbled to the ground, he screamed. She rolled around, seeing the beam lying on top of his leg and her eyes widened. Get the fuck out of here! Jim managed to wheeze through clenched teeth. He put both of his hands against the burning beam, feeling his skin blistering but not caring. He thrust both hands upwards, summoning every bit of strength in his body. The wood groaned and creaked. Jim screamed again, this time in frustration, and forced himself to keep lifting. Finally, the beam gave way, tumbling over enough that he could pull his leg free. He used his hands to push himself backwards, narrowly avoiding the beam when it fell down again. His head swimming, Jim pushed himself towards the door and the fresh air, when two sets of arms grabbed him, hauling him up and outside. He could already feel his leg healing, but the pain was still excruciating. As they lifted him, he lost consciousness. When Jim opened his eyes again, he was sitting with his back to a car. Mercedes was squatting in front of him, holding a wet towel to his face. The water running from it tasted sweet on his lips. Mer, he began, and then coughed. His throat felt raw and his leg hurt. Shush! She wiped his face again. You saved my life, Jim. I had to. You're the only one who knows how to use the computer. She smiled at him, wiping a hand over her soot-streamed face. I didn't get the girl you helped, though. Jim tried to crane his neck to see the museum. No, but the fireman did. They got there just after I came out, and they ran straight inside. Jim sighed in relief. He didn't want to tell Mercedes that he would have sacrificed the woman in a heartbeat if it had meant her life. How's your leg? Mercedes gestured at it. It was one hell of a lie to tell the firemen you were only grazed. They would have taken you to the hospital in a heartbeat. How long was I out? About ten minutes. Then I don't think I can stand on it just yet. Give it a few hours. It was broken to all hell. Can you help me get home? Where's Roger? Talking to the fire department. I don't think he'll mind. I mean, he knows where to find you. That he does. Jim stuck his hand in his pants pocket and smiled a faint smile. And wouldn't you know, he's got my keys too. Mercedes smiled. I'll get them. <laughs>